Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. We have a great one for you, but before we dive in, I would love for you to pause for just one second and hit that plus button in the top right of your screen to subscribe to the All of You Whole podcast. When you subscribe, you will receive every single episode as it lands, and you will hear so many amazing episodes all about health and intentional living. Today on the show, we have my dear friend and my pastor, Megan Hermes. Today, we are going to talk about why Megan has the audacity (laughs) to be a female pastor. I grew up in the Presbyterian PCA church that has zero female pastors, and when we were looking for a new church, finding a church with not only diversity of congregants, but also diversity in leadership, including both racial diversity and gender diversity. So today on the show, I just want you to have an open mind as you're listening to the things that Megan has to share with us. This might be a completely new concept for you. So I just want you to have an open mind, have a soft heart as you are learning about why both Megan and I strongly believe in women in leadership inside the church and outside and women as pastors. So this is a fabulous show. I am so, so excited for you to hear it. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Welcome to the show, Megan. I am so honored and truly thrilled to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So could you briefly just introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us who you are. Yeah. So my name is Megan. I am the staff and operations pastor at Hope Valley Church in Denver. I've been in ministry full-time for 20 years. We started it, my husband and I started in campus ministry. So we started a, a campus university church. We were site pastors at a large church with several locations in the DC metro area. And then my husband and I and four kids moved to Denver in 2019 to plant a church. So we planted a church in a pandemic. It was beautiful. And we were downtown at the Tivoli building in downtown Denver. And I serve as the staff and operations pastor. Yeah, it's so great. So this is, so Megan is my pastor. We go to Hope Valley and I am just so thrilled to chat today about women in leadership You are a female pastor. I grew up in the PCA church and women are not in leadership roles there. And so one of the criteria when we were looking for a new church was I want to see women in leadership. And so coming to Hope Valley was just such a breath of fresh air. So 
super tough question that we might talk about the entire time, but basically, how did you get to this point where you feel like not only should women be in leadership, but I feel called to be ordained as a female pastor, like from the Bible, how do we get to that point? Yeah. So I'll just say first, I, this was a journey Yes, over a lot, lot of study and a lot of years. I definitely grew up in a conservative Christian space. I still would probably identify with a lot of conservative ideals and right. issues. Mm-hmm. I would say like I was homeschooled and a big family took all the boxes of like the classic. Totally. Um, grew up serving in the church. And I really believe that women should primarily stay home that we were designed as helpers mm-hmm. primarily. And I didn't see that as a negative thing. I yeah, thought same. beautiful. This is God's design. Yes. I'm going to crush it. Like, I'm just going to be whatever the Bible says I'm supposed to be. I'm going to do great at it. Right. And so I, my husband, it's funny when I look back on our premarital counseling, even like we started our marriage with that intent. Yeah. That kind of like very traditional model. And I love to study the word love the word. And so we, my husband and I've been married 18 years, about 15 years in, I started really digging into the verses about women. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was because as I was inviting women to know, trust and follow Jesus, I wanted to be able to defend what I was telling them was best. Right. If I'm going to say, this is best for you, I like need to own it. Yeah. And I think, I think I realized that I was regurgitating thoughts and ideas that I just had just kind of just been like, yeah, I'll just take it on. Yes. Like I've been given this as my belief. And and so I believe it. Mm -hmm. And I'm there. And part of that's a process of growing up. Part of it was the era we were living in was shifting. And so there was, it was causing me to just kind of double click on some thoughts and go, is what I'm saying and I'm teaching in just in like women's small groups. Is it correct? Can I stand on it? And I started like my beliefs started shaking in terms of how confident I was to say like, it's best to stay home. The man should provide for his family, singularly provide like his responsibility. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started studying, I started seeing massive empowerment from Jesus for women. Mm -hmm. And so I started wrestling like, okay, okay, okay. We're empowered, but not like with titles. I kind of stepped into the like, we could be missionaries. Mm. I'll tell you how far I was. Like I literally growing up, I thought the only way to be in full-time ministry as a woman was to be a nun. Like I like, so that's, I was all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I kind of, I took that step of, okay, women should be evangelists. We Mm -hmm. should share the gospel. Right. We should be fierce in our love for our community Mm -hmm. and our care, you know, kind of, so I was inching towards strong leadership in places of care and service. But then I would say the whole, the dam broke when mm-hmm. I reread the resurrection and yeah. I reread how the first woman who was told to, well, I would say the first disciple who was right. told to go tell everyone that Jesus had risen. And I literally remember reading it and thinking, like, how did I never see this? Yeah. That if it's two women. She, she preached the gospel. Mm. She was commissioned. If there was ever a commissioning or an ordination or an anointing, it was mm. that moment. It, oh, was, yeah. it, was, it was the son of God 
telling someone in person to go say what had happened. And so I realized, I don't think I even grasped it. I'll be honest. My emotion was anger. Mm -hmm. My emotion was, did someone lie to me? Oh, like really? Like to be completely honest, <laughs> totally. I just was like, was this malicious? Like, right. And I will say, I wasn't the best at talking first early on with my husband because I was just like a ball of emotions. I was like, oh, wait, women are really empowered, mm-hmm. you know, and we should double click on this. Yes. I know that's a long journey to say. Right. I grew up very conservative. It was studying the scripture that made me see that it wasn't, it wasn't that I saw. First Corinthians or First Timothy, those later on, I double clicked on the Greek of those verses and mm. what does it mean in this? Right. What does it mean in 2022? Yeah. It was really just primarily the places that I, oh, Romans 16. Mm. Like Romans 16 mm-hmm. was another like damn breaking moment. Yes. Phoebe. Like, seeing a woman, has, and the, there's like 40 women in that chapter right. that are leading in the church. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. for me, I just felt like, I don't know, and embers started burning. Right. Like, this matters. And I understand the concerns about it. And I I grew up with the whole like, it's a slippery slope. And I know. Yes. With that kind of and, mind. And, and the I, fear. The I literally fear. said that in Bible studies. Oh, for sure. I'm sure I have said that before. And now I'm just right. one big slippery, slippery slope, you know? Like, I just, but I feel like if we do it as students, like as right. we're studying the Bible, we're curious about, what does it say? I don't know. I don't think we can go wrong. I would say if we cannot look at the word and study and, and really find truth, I think we're going, we're stepping into a dangerous space where we're saying, we're just saying, look, I just need you to regurgitate these thoughts and not oh, of go course. study and see the right. of Jesus for yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I totally agree. And I think for me, the anger came from because I feel like I was hearing my story when you were sharing your story. That's my yeah. your story is my story. And we have this fear of well, if we give if we quote unquote give an inch, like the women are gonna take mm-hmm. a mile or whatever, right? Like, you know, like we feel like well if we yeah. if we budge on this, then we're gonna budge on this, then we're gonna budge on this. And what's interesting to me is you sent me a resource before this podcast even started of like, let's look at the texts of women in leadership. And I really would love to dig into those. And verses that could limit women in the church and community leadership, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, 1 Timothy 3, 2, 1 Corinthians 14, 35. Okay. Verses that support women in church and community leadership. Let's see. I don't know, maybe there's 30 here, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got these three that we need to look at versus all of these other verses, praising women, encouraging women, sharing with us, like you're saying in Romans 16, Phoebe was a deacon, a female deacon of the church. There are, like I grew up, the PCA church still does not allow female deacons, right? So that's something that we have seen in the Bible that is not being practiced in all churches, as well as Junia, who was regarded as prominent among the apostles. Mm So not only is she an apostle, she is an apostle. She's like getting it. (laughs) Yes, yes. 
the thing about these verses that I love, and part of the reason I included some of them, some of them don't actually have to do specifically with women, but they have to do with God's design about service leadership yes. uh-huh. and how he is bringing a new kingdom. He's, mm-hmm. he's not oh, trying yeah. to, he's not for culture or against culture. Jesus works within culture, mm-hmm. within history to bring about his kingdom. Right. And so what I love is when he says there's no Jew or Greek, male or female, what he's mm-hmm. saying is I'm creating equality. I'm yeah. creating honor, sonship. I love that there's so many verses where both men and women are given the right to become a son who inherits. That's mm-hmm. what the Greek actually means. Mm-hmm. A son who inherits in that time meant that a woman was being given honor and privilege and capacity for agency mm-hmm. that was like radical. And so what I right. love about this is, yes, there are three verses, letters that were written to young churches that had issues with some, probably some like some women who had some issues. And so there were some tactical things that were written to specific churches. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I believe that the, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Mm-hmm. And those letters can be fruitful for us to study. Yeah. But I think to create doctrine for all women, for all mm-hmm. time, from a letter that was written to a singular church or a right. group of churches that had a, had a, a time-bound issue. Sure. I just think it's... I'm just going to say something and be honest for as big of a decision as this is, I'm surprised at how many people are just regurgitating what they've heard. Oh, I, for it's harmful. Like it is harmful. There is, I I've been surprised at the amount of people in various positions of church or ministry leadership that are Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, this is my stance because I'm a a complimentarian. Right. Mm -hmm. But to make a decision like that, that impacts so many sisters in the Lord. I just think we just need to, we need to study. Like it's, I think we have a, a mandate right? as, as spiritual parents, as spiritual brothers and sisters to like legit study it. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. I read this lovely book that I would highly recommend called how not to read the Bible. And that is by Dan it. Kimball. It was, it's so good. And he says, never read a Bible verse. <laughs> So never read I love it. like one yeah. Bible verse, right? And so yeah. I'm going to read 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 12 yeah. in the NIV. But what I want you to bring to the table for us is like, how do you now digest this yeah. Bible verse? And what context do we need for this verse? You know, what more do we need to consider rather than just like, taking this at face yeah. value and pulling one verse out of first Timothy. So first Timothy like 2, 11 through 12 X. yeah, right. Yeah. Says a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet, <laughs> which to be <laughs> honest go. with you, like in my notes, I have like a journaling Bible and in, in the, <laughs> I read this recently and I was cracking up at my former self. I just said, woof. <laughs> just like, Ugh. okay, so let's flip this. Caroline, you're going to love this. By the time we're done, you're going to love this passage. Okay, great. This is actually one of my favorite verses. Okay. And I love that it's a verse that people stand on and right. be like, and therefore, no. And I'm like, you know, it's actually one of my favorite verses. Okay, tell me okay, why, so Megan. Verse, verse 11, a woman is to learn quietly. 
we put the emphasis on the wrong part of the Greek there. What Paul was trying to say or was saying is that women should learn and they should be students and they should be allowed and students were expected to have the capacity to become a teacher. You would only oh, learn something wow. that if you were going to become a practitioner and potentially mm. a rabbi. Oh, and so what he's saying is a woman is to learn. It's a aggressive, forceful, like it's a mandate. They should be given. And what he's saying is if you limit it, I'm disagreeing with you. Wow. I think women should learn. Wow. I love reading. I watch some Jewish sermons on some mm-hmm. of the texts because they'll even though anyway, I just I just love the perspective. Right. Because the historical context is very rich. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in evangelical teaching, sometimes we can miss out miss on the richness it. of it. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I've heard highlighted about this is that women were not supposed to be learning singularly from men. They're supposed mm. to be learning from the Torah. They're supposed to be learning from the Holy Spirit. It was almost like an early reformation that women weren't going to mm. just be taught by humans, but the women could learn from the word themselves. They could pray. They could talk to God. They could be students. They could be disciples. Which is radical, which is a radical which is, belief. Right. So part of me is like, I mean, bring that verse. I yeah. love it. Yes. Women right. should totally go get their demon and uh-huh. be professors. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think that verse is so cool. Yes. And then verse 12, I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Instead, she's to remain quiet. The Greek there, authentine, is abusive authority. And so what I, oh, wow. I, I completely own is that women, we can be funky. And so what he's saying <laughs> is we, we can. We have the capacity to be. We can go there. Right. So what if you if you put those two verses, to your point about not reading a singular verse on its own, If you say women are going to be students and disciples, practitioners and teachers, and what I'm saying is because they're going to have authority, it shouldn't be manipulative. It shouldn't be abusive. It should be integrated. It shouldn't Mm. exclude men or, you know, I'm saying there should be, it should be complementary. So I think that verses, those verses are beautiful. I just don't see them as saying like, if a woman were to preach in a church, therefore it's sin. Mm, I see, right. I actually see, I see empowerment. And then talk to me about the quiet and the silent. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I, I think it's really important to look at a verse and figure out because it's, it's inerrant and it's the, the God will direct us and inspire us regardless of what time we're in. I think it's important to look at the truth and figure out what does it mean for right now? I'm just going to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. I can help my sisters in the Lord. If I'm sitting in a conference and we're hearing an amazing teaching, I can be texting my girlfriend. Oh my gosh. Love that point. I'm super convicted. And Mm -hmm. I can be helping my girlfriends and my friends stay focused, hear from the Holy spirit and be in the moment. I could also be texting my girlfriend during the conference about what I watched on Netflix last night Yeah, and be super distracting. Or like chatting with each other. Like, where do you yeah. get lunch after? Yeah. And what I see here is we have women. I do believe men and women are different. I believe we have unique gifts and they're powerful. Mm-hmm. And I believe one of the powerful earth-shattering gifts that women have, often women have, is influence. And Mm -hmm. I think what he's saying here is just use your influence. 
He was using specific words for where if you use your influence and you are distracting or you are you're taking away the focus from what's important, you could really hurt a local church. Mm. And what he's talking about, he's talking to a young pastor who's having a hard time with some women who are probably, we don't know if it was gossip or what was happening mm-hmm. in this church. But for me, I like if you have a soft heart, I'm not looking at this verse going, oh, get off me. Don't tell me to be quiet. I'm like, you know what? There are ways I could use my influence to help my brothers and sisters be focused, focus on what matters, mm-hmm. and focus on the positive, not the negative. Like think on what is holy. Right. And I, so, I for me, I, I I just feel like if you have a soft heart, you can mm-hmm. you can see it as instruction, yeah, but not one that limits. Does it make sense? Right. Of course. Because here's the other thing, Megan. It's like yeah. just like what you were saying. This was a letter that was yeah. written to one church in one time. And so the funny thing, how yeah. I've always thought of the like women should stay silent, which is also in First Corinthians, is like yeah. inspired by Greek culture, when these communities would get together, they would have a, a side where the males would sit and a side where the females mm-hmm. would sit. And like, what do a lot of women do? we chat. <laughs> like We are chatty we human yeah. beings. And because of the culture of yeah. the time, the men are trying to talk about scripture, talk about things. And over here, potentially, we do not know this for sure, but potentially the women are being a distraction. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, can you yeah. guys calm down for just a second so that we can do this important thing over here? Right. And it's not. Well, and- yes. Yeah, we have to realize that if so, Paul is Paul is encouraging Timothy to educate women, but right. he's he's also having to tell him how to keep create order right immediately, right? Because he, just because if you have a church of women who haven't had the opportunity to study the scripture or maybe mm-hmm. don't understand, do you see what he's right. doing? Two things: he's saying this is how you're going to lead, but also this is how you're going to create order right now. And I think we both, both of those, we can learn from and be be challenged by mm-hmm. and not reject. Like, I definitely don't fall into the camp where I'm like, oh, I just don't like those verses. Like, I oh, just. for sure. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, I'm chalking them. I think they're right. beautiful. Right. For sure. And then yeah. that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a biblical argument, right? Like, I think that a lot of times we start having some of these beliefs that are not traditional and people will say, you just have an agenda. You just want women to be in leadership. And so. Yeah you're trying to force it to say a certain thing or you just like throw it out altogether. And we're saying, no, we're not throwing these verses out. What we're doing too, it's like you were talking about having a soft heart as you read these. The other worldview that we add on or view that we add on Mm -hmm. is let's take a step back and look at God's view of women in general And how do we interpret these three scriptures about women in leadership in light of God's radical love for women? And in a sermon two weeks ago, Megan, you said, Jesus loves women. And I started sobbing in my seat. (laughs) Like I got so many emails, so many emails about that sermon. And it wasn't in my notes. It wasn't so it was in your seven. notes. Yeah. No, it was Luke 7. I was preaching about the woman with the alabaster jar. Right. And it just came out. And I was 
my heart was really broken for the amount of women who said, I really, I didn't, I even struggled to, after you said that, to believe it. Right. Because of how, because how the church or even how the lens with which I have personally studied the Bible right. has made me think that I was secondary, less secondary, than, sub-part. only created to be a servant or right. like or a, a helper. helper but, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, the funny thing is you, sometimes I can have these moments where I realize I didn't consciously believe yeah. God loves me less. I would have told you face to face. Intellectually. Intellectually, I know God loves me equally to my husband or God loves men and women equally. But when you said God loves women, I was so touched because I had literally never heard someone say that before. (laughs) Ever. Ever. And, And so specifically. And so I think we also have to come into this thinking Jesus was radical in his love for women and in yeah. even in a countercultural way. He was breaking societal norms to love women. They think that women paid for Jesus's ministry. Yeah. And, like and you paid it's they bankrolled it. Right. Women. Yes. It was the women, mm-hmm. right? And so just all of these examples that Jesus that shares with us about Jesus refers to women that held churches in their houses, such as Nympha in Colossians 4.15, Chloe in 1 Corinthians 1.11, and even in the Old Testament, Deborah was a judge. So she was a political leader over Mm -hmm. Israel in Judges 4. So we see women in positions that wouldn't have made sense culturally and Jesus cheering them on. And so I think that also gives me encouragement to have the same belief that you do, right? So let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. So while you flip, I will read it. So it says, women should be silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but should be subordinate as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to know, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Okay, bring it, Megan. (laughs) Yeah, so this verse has, I love, I'll give you a few of my favorite arguments I will give you the the umbrella with which I view this first mm-hmm. is we're never going to completely know right? because this is a personal letter. We can study and we can come up with like, I think this is probably what he's trying to say, but I, I feel like it's, it's beautiful that we get to read private correspondence from Paul mm, to this church, sure. this like, sure. like this internal letter. So I think it's just important to kind of remember your context, remember, but this right. was a letter to a church that was in Corinth. There were some unique challenges. Now people disagree about exactly what were the challenges, but I'll just sure. say the role of women in Corinth was messy. If you, it in in some ways, do you, you know how the the present view is very polarized, mm-hmm. where it feels like you're either a complementarian or a feminist. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like pick pick your camp. Like you're. You're, there's two buckets. You have to pick your bucket and stick with your team. Right. I mean, it's not. It's not true. It's a spectrum of right. nuanced thought. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to recognize that in Corinth, there were ultra ultra radical women, and there mm. were, and it's documented extra biblically. 
Like yeah. the, there were women who you would probably put them in the camp of like, man hater, don't need men. For sure. And these women, these women are getting saved. Mm. And also women are visiting these teaching, these moments of teaching. And it's, I see it as it's, it was probably a volatile moment. You know, mm-hmm. they're preaching this gospel that's extremely liberating and empowering to these women who were already radicals. And so Paul's like, okay, listen, let, hold up here. So yes, you are a son and daughter of God. Mm-hmm. You are saved by grace and through faith, like this massive empowerment. But wait, 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 don't take over the church. Don't turn it into something that it's not supposed to be. Mm. And so what I see here, I see a pumping of the brakes in okay. these verses. Right. And most of the commentaries agree, regardless of what was actually happening happening there. When you look at his other writings, he's pro-women prophesying. He's pro-women right. teaching. Yes. In this specific church, I feel like it was almost like he had a timeline of change. He was like, listen, mm. women are getting saved. This is great. But this could be really crazy. So until they're educated. So he just sent a letter to Timothy and saying a woman should learn. But he's like, until they learn, mm. nobody should be opening their mouth. You can't just right. be preaching some false gospel, some, some like what you think you heard right. about the, you know, no, this needs to be clear teaching. So That's I think so it's interesting. Just, he, was, he was advocating for order. Yes, which is such a great point because there is a process to ordination, yeah. right? There is an intense yeah. teaching and learning and all of this that has to happen. So he's like, step one, yeah, let the women learn. But like, yes. let's not put this woman who's an extremist, mm. which is a theory, who just became a Christian, let's not put her in the pulpit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we know what we know about women is we're more likely to want to just jump up and share something like if, in terms of just men's and women's. And I would say this is gender norms and it's not, right. it doesn't always hold. Right. But in a group who usually are the people who are like, I have something to share. Me. It's the woman who just got saved. So yeah. I, just, I look at this and I'm like, yes, women should learn. And then mm-hmm. we shouldn't distract. We should use our influence right, to create unity and order. Yeah, no, I love that so much. And I was reading scholars in preparation for this podcast who were basically arguing the two passages that we just went over were Mm -hmm. essentially intended to correct exactly what you're saying, specific problems. So like they they emailed, did you just hear me? So they tweeted. They (laughs) They were like, bro, bro, these women. So they sent Paul a letter and asked a specific question or like we see in a lot of these cases, Paul is is seeing specific things going wrong. And in Corinthians, he's like, guys, stop the dissension. Stop the fighting. Stop the arguing. Right. So he is seeing very specific things that are going wrong and saying, guys, stop doing that thing. Right. And so without knowing what was the exact thing that was happening here, I just am so struck that it is a specific instruction to a specific group at a specific time and not universally applicable to everyone. And it does not need to result in a ban on women speaking in churches, teaching men, having authority. I don't think that it is that. And I think one of my concerns as I really committed myself to this 
this study Mm -hmm. was that we have clearly identified other things from epistles as not being for all time. Like praying with your head covered, always greeting someone with a kiss. And so those things obviously were like, oh, that's time bound. That was specific to the culture. Yes. But then the verse after it is not time bound. It's for all people for all time. Right. So that for me was when, like, when I talk about the the dam breaking, when I I literally had like a symbol in the Bible that I was using at the time, which was like, do we follow it or do we not? And it was just like, if it had to do that was weird culturally, we didn't Mm. follow it. But if it had to do with limiting women, we still followed it. Which (laughs) was like, like, I know. And let's just be, let's be consistent. Let's be consistent. consistent. And then it's funny because some people will argue you're just picking and choosing and you're like, no, you're picking and choosing. No, I'm reading all of it. You're choosing like people who want to limit women. I feel like I'm yelling. Why are we yelling? People who want to limit women. It's like, look at these three verses and I'm picking these ones and I'm reading them literally. I'm not considering context and we're sticking with this. And it's like, then we get into like our second part that we need to have you back for is just the issue of the patriarchy, which is unfortunately a backdrop of the Bible. It is not the point of the Bible. Yeah. It is not the point of the Bible. It is not the model we are supposed to still be following, but you know, it's present in the Bible. And so we start thinking of the patriarchy and power that still exists in the United States across the world to this day, men in power, regardless of if it's in the church or as a whole, men are supposed to be the ones in power. They get to make the shots, call the shots for everyone below them. And that's not, I don't think Jesus agreed in a patriarchal model. No, I, I don't. And I, I would love to talk about that because I think just to tease it, I think yeah. that, I, I mean, I could, I can make the argument. I did make the argument for years. Mm-hmm. So I right. see where people are coming from. Sure. But I think when you look, when you're really a student of the themes that Jesus was trying to birth, mm-hmm. it doesn't line up. It doesn't line up. He was up. working within the culture he was in. So mm-hmm. he had to speak the language. He had to operate right. semi within the culture, but he bucked it hard. So hard. Like, sure. He, he pushed it. He was very inappropriate. Yeah, so of course. Yeah. And we don't, yeah. the unfortunate thing is for those of us who are not studying first century Jewish culture, we don't realize how much Jesus pushed the boundary yeah. and pushed the envelope. Well, if he if he was really trying to come to create a patriarchal culture, he would have had to be married because there's complete mm. dishonor for a single man who was wow. childless. Mm-hmm. So he would have failed. Yeah. But he, if that was his goal, he failed. <laughs> if that was his goal, he he, yes. he obviously didn't get the memo. Sure. And so I, in the, yeah, he, he did not come to perpetuate that. No. and and what he had we, no heirs. He had no heirs. What and now we're heirs and and conquerors through Christ, which is great. So, mm-hmm. what the funny thing about it though is, I see it being a really unfortunate thing that instead of taking a lot of Jesus's themes of yeah. like social justice and. Yeah dismantling the patriarchy and really supporting and encouraging and loving women. So instead of saying Jesus pushed the envelope 
And we should continue that. Like we should continue this radical love, this radical change, this radical evolution and continual reforming of our faith. Instead of continuing that, unfortunately, a lot of people say he did this in first century AD full stop. Mm-hmm. And like, right. we're still stuck. We should copy it. Just, just, <laughs> like we just, just repeat. stopped where he stopped and we say, right. this is the finish line. Instead of adopting this like process and philosophy and, and way of doing life of continuing to push, continuing yeah, well- to love radically and wondering for ourselves how does Jesus's radical love, how is that applied to where we are today? Absolutely. And that's my I, approach. Growing up, yeah. Growing up, I, I really felt strongly because I probably, I heard it taught a lot that, I was, that as disciples, like as followers of Jesus, we should have teachable and soft hearts, probably more so for the women, but like everyone's <laughs> told to everybody. But when it, I think that Caroline, if we come to these issues with teachable and soft hearts, I think we can make a lot of progress and not with an agenda and not thinking not, that we know right. what it says. Mm-hmm. And and also I, I think fear is a huge part. I think we have to come to it because all social change or how just how we do things as it evolves, I think it's okay. I think it should be okay to say, I'm nervous. Right. What would it look like for a church or a family to look like this mm-hmm. for mutual submission in marriage? Mm-hmm. Now, I could probably argue for husbands as the head of their homes and mutual submission in marriage. I see the beauty of both. Sure. But I think that sometimes we 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 say, oh, no, it's just about the plain reading of scripture. Mm-hmm. But this is an emotional conversation. Oh, yeah. And I think that part of the what an essential ingredient is going to be recognizing and owning that it's an emotional conversation and that. Leaders have fears, congregants have fears, mm-hmm. hopes and fears. Sure. Yeah. Instead of just pretending that it's an intellectual debate, it, that it's singularly an intellectual debate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do, one thing I regret about the Christian church is, uh, you know, we have this river of the Christian church and all these tributaries. And mm-hmm. I was very stuck in the Presbyterian PCA tributary. And so, Unfortunately, you get into a specific Mm -hmm. denomination, you get really stuck in your beliefs because Mm -hmm. it has to go to the presbytery that meets once a year to see if there's any reformation needed. Pretty much there's not much of that. And so there's not much room for growth. And, And the fear is also too, like I've been this PCA church for 50 years. If we break ranks on any of these issues and the process is you're kicked out (laughs) you're no longer a presbyterian church yes i think i am going to use a word and i i'm gonna it's the correct word but it's loaded this Mm -hmm. is political Mm, and within churches right you know i have friends that pastor sbc churches right and it's it's very clearly political oh Um, for sure and I'm yeah. saying with it, not, not political, like the government, political as in power. Right. I, and I think, I think you're right. It's, I think it slows things down. I think it's, I mean, it's part of one of the strengths of, or of institutions is right. that we are 
measured in our response. Mm-hmm. We, are, we, we weigh decisions. The, and um, there's accountability of there's a accountability. governing body. It's yeah. It's right. So there are good, good parts I, to it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I hear you. I think that it's, I think it, one of the, I think, tests of the Christian church over the next few years is whether we can have civil conversations or we can move <sighs> yeah. to, because it's, as these things are considered, either we have civil, soft-hearted conversations in love, or we like, we draw lines and we like lob grenades. Right. And we're hateful. And we say things like, well, my view is biblical. And, well, and yours is like, not. Yeah, and you're just going yours off is, the deep end. You must end. be reading a different, yeah. Right, so I right. Just, David preached a, a sermon this past Sunday about the church being a family and we need to mm-hmm. act like it. And there are people in your family that you don't agree with. Right, yes. And, it's, and how, and it's kind of like a family reunion. Yes. Everybody shows up. Yeah, everybody shows up, which I love that. It's David being your husband, who's also a pastor yes, at yes. Hope Valley. And yeah. I love that so much because what what David does a great job of is there's a school shooting, like Roe v. Wade yeah. is overturned. Something yeah. happens and he, he talks can about the election there. cycle. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And he can stand yeah. in the pulpit and say, We have people on both sides of the aisle politically, and we do, you know, yeah, in do. our church. And it does feel like a family in that way. And he can say, to those of you right-leaning, I want you to consider this. To those of you left-leaning, I want you to consider this. And it's so beautiful. And I've never seen that happen before. And right. And so even just to act like a family. Yeah. To act like a family. Like you might disagree. Yeah. But we're not trying to destroy each other. Right. And we really should want the same thing. Yeah. In one church is a miracle, right? We're not in an echo chamber. We are, there are people in our church who likely don't believe all the things we talked about today, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Right? Like, definitely. And so it's nice to me that that's where I feel like we continue to learn and grow is in these conversations with each other. So it's so important. Okay. okay. We could talk for five hours. We've got to have you back. There's so many things, so many other things we need to talk about, but I appreciate your perspective so much. So let's ask the final questions that I ask everybody. So at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? I have four kids, 16, 14, 12, and nine, three girls and a boy. I think the only thing I care about is they know that Jesus is there for them. Mm. Yeah, that'll be a successful life. If they, I don't even care about the fierceness with which they're following him. Mm. I care that in whatever season they're in, that they know he's there. Right. I love that so much. So what is something in your life you feel like you've been intentional about recently? Mm. Running, which is so new. I love it so much. Katie's from our congregation and she's a fantastic runner. Intense. Yeah, she's intense. She's She's awesome. So yeah, intentional and it has helped. I've struggled with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. in the past and just movement is so good for me. Yeah. Uh, So it is, I'm just, I'm not good. I'm not fast, but I'm loving it. But you're doing it. I love it so much. And then what's something in the future you hope to be more intentional about? Yes. Okay. I love to read. And it's funny. I'm always inspired by women around me. So yes. Anna from yes. my congregation, uh-huh. she's a fantastic reader. And she always just reminds me of the, of the beauty of like reading momentum. 
I love mm. when you are reading and you love something and you're, you know, you know, that place yes. where you're just in a groove. Yeah. So girl, I need to, I want, I'm not in a space where I can right now. I got yes. a janky reading momentum, Yeah. but I want, I, I just, it's like a source of life. Right. Uh, and I grow. Like I read yes. fun. I read fiction and nonfiction. Yeah. Love it. I know. I struggle. I pretty much yeah. only I'm read sure. nonfiction. Yeah. So I need to like, I don't know. I've never yeah. been a huge fiction fan, fiction but is maybe fun. I, I need like, to just do it. <laughs> I, well, it's, it's made me really creative. I, mm. I'll just say it's, I, it just makes your imagination work really hard. So. I love that. No, yeah. I'm a big fan it. of that. Thank you so much for being on the show, Megan. Where can people either connect with you personally or we can share Hope Valley? Yeah. Where can people connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. The best way, place to find me and Hope Valley is at Hope Valley Church on Instagram. That's the handle, cool. at Hope Valley Church. You can find uh, the link in that bio has everything you need. Cool. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you Caroline, so much for being for on the show, me. Megan. So great. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Megan. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your insight with us today. Listeners, I hope that you at least had a soft heart listening to this episode, that maybe you learned something new, a new approach to this issue, a new lens with which to view these scriptures. And yeah, I hope that it gave you some insight into why other people maybe believe differently than you do. And hey, if it completely changed your mind, hallelujah for that too. So I would love for you to connect with our church. If you are in the Denver area and you are looking for a church, please come check out Hope Valley. It has been such an answer to prayer for our family, and we would love to see you there. You can follow along at Hope Valley Church on Instagram. You can connect with Megan there. And as always, if you have any questions for me or for Megan, be sure to head to my Instagram. That's at all of you whole to further engage on this topic. If you liked this episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the All of You Whole podcast. And if you really, really loved it, please leave a review. That helps other people find this show just like you did. So thanks for listening and I will see you next week.